of teams. And I think a lot of people would say very unexpected Final Four. It is 2-2 two two currently in the Eastern Conference Finals with Milwaukee and Atlanta tied. And in the Western Conference Finals, as we went over during our locks of the week, it is Game 6 tonight. So one story that has been developing um, since Game 4 of the series is the injuries in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Trey Young, of course, missed Game 4 with a, a bone bruise in his right foot. He is listed as questionable for Game 5, but arguably the more uh, uh, notable story is Giannis Antetokounmpo being listed as doubtful with a hyperextended left knee. He, he came down on it very awkwardly. He had to be helped off the court by one of his brothers. Um, Jake, I want to go to you first, you know, if – you know, this this kind of reminds me of what happened to the Clippers in the Western Conference. And do you think yeah. that Milwaukee can win two of these next three games if they do not have Giannis on the floor? Well, if Chris Middleton steps up and uh, Drew Holiday steps up, I think that they could. But I think, you know, this is you know really tough. You talk about the injuries in general. And I want to point out that, you know, we've seen this postseason, I think more so than before, the just not even the fact about the shortened season, but maybe being that as a result of detriment to all these injuries that have been happening, um, whether it's, you know, James Harden, Kyrie Irving um, being injured as well, um, you know, in the earlier, the semifinal round. Now you have a really, you know, Giannis hyperextended his knee. He's probably not really going to look like he's going to play the rest of the series um, the way that's looking out. Uh, it's it's tough. I mean, it's really tough. It's the biggest. This is probably you know tomorrow is a huge game for the Hawks and the Bucks. The series tied at two. Um, winner of that game, you know, likely could go up and win, uh, go to the finals. Um, and that's in Milwaukee too. And so that's gonna be interesting. But you know, tonight's game is gonna be huge um, for these teams. Um, Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, we talk about he's he's not traveling uh, for Game Five. After the Clippers won um, by 14 points on Monday, so this is going to be um, interesting to see um, how this develops. He hasn't played since suffering that right knee sprain in Game Four of the previous round um, as well. So he was having a very good uh, postseason before he went down. He's averaging 30 points and seven boards and about five assists and two steals uh, in 11 games. So he's somebody who's um, going to be back as as well. We saw CB3 came back with the Suns, um, but it's not looking good for Leonard. Um, you know, they need that spark. Um, of course, they don't, you know, Abaka had season-ending surgery um, as well, so they don't have him to man the the uh, paint. Um, but Paul George is going to have to have one of those big games. You know, we haven't really seen much of him having those games. You know, he, he took over early on in this series um, for them. Um, there's no update on uh, Ivichka uh, Zubac as well, who sat out Game 5. He had an MCL sprain in his right knee. He's probably not going to be playing. Um, uh, he's def looks like he might not be playing um, in this one, in this Game 6. Um, so this is, you know, it's a really tough situation um, for both teams as well. The Clippers' season is on the line. Their back's against the wall. Um, you know, it's been over 50 years. You know, they have it in their whole existence. They've never been in the NBA final. Um, so this is going to, you know, last year they blew a 3-1 series lead to Denver in the conference semis. Um, that was when Tyrone Lou was promoted um, as well. So this is going to be interesting. Um, it's all, I think it's going to be, all the focus for the Clippers tonight is going to be on coach Tyrone Lou. I think Tyrone Lou is really going to have to draw up some plays to get Paul George going if you want the Clippers to win. Um, it's a really tough spot that they're in, a big predicament without Kawhi um, playing as well. So I think that you're they're on the brink right now. But if CP3 and if DeAndre, if DeAndre Ayton comes back in this um, to close out the series, you know, he disappeared in Game 5. He only had 
Uh, he had 10 points and 11 boards in 36 minutes. Those are like college uh, stats. His fewest points since game three of the conference semis against Denver in the previous round. So he's really, that's a big factor right there. Um, if, if DeAndre Ayton can score more, he's going to have at least 14 rebounds. You're, he's going to have to muscle them out, especially if Zubac isn't out there. It looks like he won't with that MCL sprain. It's really, really tough uh, injury on his knee. You know, DeAndre Ayton's going to really have to step up with CP3. I think if, if Ayton has a huge game and accompanied with the play of Devin Booker and CP3, I think that the Suns are going to win this game. But, you know, I wouldn't count out Tyrone Lue, but it's going to be really, and the Clippers, but it's going to be really difficult without superstar Kawhi Leonard not out there. With everything you just said, Jake, first of all, it's a masterpiece. Great job, like always. Number two, first of all, I think we're all disappointed that it's not a net Sixers Eastern Conference final. That's how it should have been. But, of course, there were different plans. Anyway, I want to talk about the Clippers first. And, look, it's 3-2. I think Phoenix is going to win tonight. But if L.A. does win this game and there's a game seven in the Valley, don't be surprised at the same time. I've always been a Paul George critic. I've never liked – I'm not liked, but I, I've always doubted Paul George. I never thought Paul George was that good. I never also thought Paul, Paul George was worth the money he's getting, especially with the Clippers. This series and this this playoff, ever since Kawhi went down with the injury, Paul George has been the opposite, and Paul George has made me sound like a fool. I'll be honest with you. Paul George has been unbelievable, especially in the conference finals. You saw him in game five. I mean, the man is putting up 30 points a night. He's got a double-double almost every night as well. Pretty much does every, every night as well. He's leading his team on his back without the best player, Kawhi Leonard, who, of course, is, is, is out with the knee injury. And then in Game 5, when they're down 3-1, they're at the Valley, they're at Phoenix, on the road. Paul George does it again. He leads the way, not just without Kawhi Leonard, but without Zubac as well, their top big-notch center. So, Jake, you mentioned about you know driving in the paint, and, and that's a big need for the Clippers tonight. In Game 5 without Kawhi or Zubac, they put up the majority of their points inside the paint. I think through three or four quarters of play, 58 of the points were in the paint. It was absolutely incredible how, how strong they've been you know, inside the arc, but mainly, of course, in that paint right, right down the line, right, right, right down the rim. It has absolutely been incredible. And Paul George has just been absolutely remarkable, playing, playing the series, having the postseason career, or uh, postseason timeline of his career, he's been absolutely remarkable. I think Phoenix does close it out tonight, and you need something big from Aiden. I definitely agree with that. He's been their big guy. He's been huge all across the playoffs. You need him to step up big time from all across the floor. But when it comes back to Paul George, I think tonight is will make or break Paul George's career. And I say that because... Look, he's putting up 30 points tonight. He's carrying this team. He kept his team alive in that game five uh, in Phoenix. They won big time. It was an incredible win. Paul George pay- paying dividends. But I think what 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 happens with Paul George tonight defines his postseason. And it will also set up what happens in game seven of whether or not Paul George can do it again if, if there is a game seven and get the Clippers over the hump of actually getting them in, into a finals and overcoming a 3-1 deficit with, with all these injuries, you know, plague their way. I think this, this is Paul George's career-defining season. Tonight could be his career-defining game if they win or lose no matter what. It's big for the Clippers. It's big for Paul George. He's had a great run, but I think tonight really will make or break whether he really really deserves that money and whether he can keep going consistent night after consistent night 
putting up 30 points and carrying this team on his back. Let's flip over to the East and look. We all expected that uh, the great matchup between uh, the Sixers, the Nets, Dylan, Jake, you guys, and I. We were we were dreaming for that one. They were different plans, of course. We got the Bucks and the Hawks instead, and the two top players on the series are injured: Trey Young, Giannis Antetokounmpo. They're both out with injuries. Game five is also a make-or-break game. It might be in Milwaukee, but Atlanta's coming off a win without their best player. And they, they, they also have the factor that Giannis isn't playing for Milwaukee at home. The big guy to watch out for, though, in Game 5 is Chris Middleton. Because Game 3, he was incredible. 38 points, 20 in the fourth quarter alone. The man was shooting all across the place from downtown. The best, biggest game, the best game of his career, I would say, for Chris Middleton was Game 3 of this Eastern Conference Finals. Game 5, can he do it again? That's a big if, because Chris Middleton has been so inconsistent time after time and season after season, especially in the playoffs. He's a good player. He can shoot when, He can shoot at times, but when you truly need him, eight times out of ten, he won't be there for you. I say eight out of ten because you saw, you know, he, he's had two 38-point playoff games before. One previously a few years ago and, of course, the one on game three. So my point is, is that you need Chris Middleton Big time. The eyes are on him to see if he can actually step it up in big time without Giannis, of course, on the floor. Giannis was on the floor. Giannis had a double-double in Game 3. He had 30 and 11, I believe, something like that. Giannis is out, though. Giannis is injured. All eyes are on Chris Middleton. He's the main guy for either team, really, I think, entering Game 5. All the eyes are going to be on him. You have to keep focused on him and for and for Chris Middleton. That could also be the biggest game of his career. Because whether it's Game 5, Game 6, if Milwaukee loses this series, especially with Giannis out, Chris Middleton could get the blame for it. And he could get the blame for not stepping up at the right time. We've seen that same scenario with, with, with Chris Middleton time and time again. So this series, these next two games, next three games really, again, if it goes to Game 7, in this now best-of-three Eastern Conference Final Series. Chris Middleton's the main guy to watch out for, especially if Trey Young doesn't return, and, of course, if Giannis d doesn't return from Milwaukee. Yeah, Alex, you know, I think Paul George has really earned himself getting rid of the playoff P nickname. Oh, I, personally I agree. Think, I think that's Porzingis now. You're 7'3", <laughs> average 13-5 in the first round. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but I but I agree, Paul George has had some uh, of the best playoff performances of his career this postseason. Uh, he's done a very good job. You know, the fact that they're six games deep in this series without Kawhi Leonard really does say something about Paul George. It also says sure. something about a guy I've been referring to as Mr. June because his namesake is referred to as Mr. October. That's Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson has been absolutely balling out for the Clippers, averaging over 20 points in this series. You know, he's That's been true. the guy who, when they need a three, he's always there to knock it down. Terrence Mann has had some of the best performances of his career, and I think that really speaks to the way Tyron Lue's been coaching this team. You know, they're a very um, well-put-together team, and a lot of people said a lot of things about T. Lue because, you know, he won his championship with LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, and, you know, he kind of had to prove himself the way Eric Spolster had to prove himself. And I think he's doing that, you know, in this series and in this postseason. Um... Ultimately, I, I, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think Phoenix is just too well built. I think Chris sure. Paul is – and I can't believe I'm saying this when he's 37, but he's in the best situation of his entire career. No, you're he's right. got a great young team around him. There's a lot of great defenders on the floor. He's got a guy who could – you know, people compare them, but he really could be the next Kobe Bryant and Devin Booker. He, oh, he, he has a lot 
of skills. He's a great scorer, you know, and he's really coming into his own. DeAndre Ayton is a guy who people maybe criticize for being the first overall pick in a draft that included Luka and Trey Young, but every game he's been proving himself. Um, I think the Suns do get out of here tonight. That was my lock before, but nothing to be taken away from the Clippers. Tyron Lue deserves to have more time there, and I think next year, if they come back with a retooled roster, they have a, a very good chance at uh, going deep into the West. Now, if we're going to take it t- just quickly, Ty Lue also has overcome 3-1 deficits, especially in 2016 to win that championship. So, could it be history repeating itself? Maybe. I don't think so. But at the same time, Ty Lue has overcome a 3-1 deficit in the past. Chris Paul has actually lost a 3-1 deficit in the past as well. In 2015, with the Clippers. Um, so, yeah. But going over to the East, I, I, I think that, you know, the Bucks without without Giannis is definitely going to be a struggle. But absolutely, Chris Middleton this series and overall in this postseason has been the guy they turn to when they need a shot late in the game. Um, they play good defense. Ultimately, I think they are going to have enough to keep the Hawks around. I don't think they're going to get blown out, but I think that Atlanta won. Trey Young has a much better chance of coming back than Giannis does. Giannis is very possibly out for the rest of the postseason. I, we don't know how bad this injury is. They said it's hyperextended. That can mean a multitude of things. But when it comes to the Hawks, you know, I they the guys just step up. You know, in game four, they didn't really have any offense. Lou Will scored 20 points. Bojan Bogdanovic, 21 points. Um, and ultimately, they have a lot of pieces. And they also, you know, not to take anything away from Trey Young, but he's a defensive liability. And when they take him off the floor, you know, there's less free space for Milwaukee to attack. A bigger lineup with guys like Daniel Hunter, uh, excuse me, DeAndre Hunter. Daniel Hunter plays for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm sorry. Um, DeAndre Hunter, Bojan Bogdanovic, and Kevin Herter and guys like that. I think they stand to play better defensively, but we'll have to see. I mean, if Trey Young comes back and Giannis isn't there, I'm, I'm going to say that the series is over. But sure. if both of them are going to stay out, I think it's very interesting and I don't know if it's just my gut that wants this because I'm I'm petty I'm a petty fan, but I want to see the Hawks in the NBA Finals. I want to see Trey Young be the villain that he's always been. I want to see them win Game Seven in Milwaukee. I want to see him bow to the crowd after dropping 35 and 15. That's what I want. I want Trey Young to put a dagger in the hearts of every Milwaukee fan, and I want them to go to the finals. Although I don't think they'll win the finals. Is that just because they they lost to the Nets? Yes. Or is that yes. I, <laughs> okay. Oh, they, they yes. <laughs> Otherwise, I would be rooting for Giannis because I actually really like Giannis as a player, uh, even though he can't shoot. I mean, he could shoot. He's not like Ben Simmons level, not not being able to shoot. Don't but. get me started with Ben Simmons. Oh, the new. Oh, all right, you know we were to- we we're talking about the playoffs, but we-, we both have teams that are out. We can talk about it. Alex. Where is Ben Simmons going to play next year? Um, how about nowhere inside the United States? That'd be the nice. Shang- um, the, the popular answer on Twitter has been the uh, the Shanghai Sharks. Shanghai Sharks, which I, I think is That's- where I think him and Joe Harris might be teammates in a in a few short great months. To me. me Sounds too. Sounds absolutely fantastic. Me too. Ben Simmons should have been traded a few years ago. Number one, he can't shoot. He never could have. Sh- he never had the shot, and you saw it big time. And 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 look, twenty eighteen. Okay, experiment. Fine. 2019, he still couldn't shoot. 2021, we saw it happen again. He still couldn't shoot. Ben Simmons can't shoot a ball for his life. It's absolutely horrendous. It took Ben Simmons three years to make a three-point shot in the NBA. 
three years. I could have made it in five seconds knowing Ben Simmons. But the point is, is that it is it is unbelievable at this point. And when it comes to the Sixers, Daryl Morey, listen, listen, listen. Get Ben out of town. I don't care where you put him. Toronto, Shanghai, or Cleveland, wherever. Get him out of Philadelphia. Put it. Put him. I don't care. Put him in in back to Australia for all I care. Get Ben Simmons out of Philadelphia. That's step number one. Number two, when you move Ben Simmons, make sure you get a scorer in return. And whether it be a sign and trade, whatever. Look, Damian Lillard is the is the hottest option, right? And the Knicks want him. The Sixers probably want him. Milwaukee might want him. Who knows where he's going? Who, who, who knows what, what will happen? Chauncey Billups just got hired over there. He might now stay in Portland. Who knows with Dame Lillard? But a lot of people have agreed with me. A lot of people have disagreed with me on this point. Philadelphia needs a shooter. Philadelphia needs a scorer, and they need to give guys like Seth Curry and Danny Green competition to work with. Seth Curry was great in the playoffs, don't get me wrong, but you need someone else to step up the game. You need a dominant pr- pr- preliminary scorer to put a- alongside Joel Embiid. The answer could be DeMar DeRozan. And I say DeMar DeRozan because, look, San Antonio, say what you want about it. Say, say what you want about De- DeMar in San Antonio. The man is still a scorer, and Greg Popovich has definitely helped this game in San Antonio, no matter what the record is. And in Toronto, he was, he was a t- prime scorer back in the day in, in uh, Toronto also. If you're Philadelphia, you're serious about contending, you want to make up, especially for, for the loss to Trey Young and the Hawks, you need a score. Let's say let's say you match up with Trey Young again because Trey Young outmatched you in scoring. That was clear. The Sixers didn't have a primary scorer to match with Trey Young. That was the same issue with the Knicks in round one. My point is with the Sixers. Get DeMar DeRozan if Dame Lillard is not available. That should be the focus. And whatever it takes, if you if you, if you do a sign-and-trade and you get Ben Simmons out of town to get DeMar DeRozan into town, that's what you have to do. That's what I think should happen. And if you get DeMar DeRozan in there, or really any scorer, again, I, th- I think DeMar DeRozan, you put him with Joel, it's a one-two punch right there, gives Tobias Harris some more work as well, and that gives t- competition to Seth Curry. Let, let, let's see if, if he can keep it up. And Danny Green, who can't stay healthy, he's been inconsistent for a while now. You bring DeMar DeRozan in there, it creates new competition for that, for that scoring role, and altogether it puts Philadelphia in a really good spot where, where you have the big man, Joel Embiid, and you have a guy who can make up the shooting in, in DeMar DeRozan. Ben Simmons obviously can't shoot, and Ben Simmons, he has to go. Ben, bye-bye. I'll, at, at this point, I'll buy a one-way ticket to the moon for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, get the heck out of town. Bye-bye. See you later. DeMar DeRozan, we would love to have you over. First of all, I would just like to say that we're going to, like, I'm a Ben Simmons basher, and I understand that, and it's not great, it's petty, but, you know, he had a lot of potential coming into the league. He still, you know, if he has a shot, he does, he's a great defender, he was an all-team first defender this year, he clearly sees the floor, but he has, and I don't even think it's a shooting problem anymore, it's a mental issue, like, in, in game, what was that, game six, where they were eliminated, where he had the open dunk, and he passed it out? Game seven, okay. Um, you know, that's not something that is just from a guy who is, like, he is legitimately afraid to shoot the ball. And, but you can't have that. You know, I, 
I get what you're saying about getting a scorer, but I, I don't think DeMar DeRozan is the right answer. DeMar DeRozan has never shot above 33% from behind the arc in his entire career. So I feel like if you get him, you're essentially getting a version of Ben Simmons who's a worse defender who does not have the same passing skills as him, you know? DeMar DeRozan is a scorer, but he's a guy, you know, he's a go-to-the-cup type of guy. He's a go-to-the-cup, get fouled, get an and one. He's one of those type of guys. He's primarily sure. a two-point scorer. While I do think that bringing him in will get rid of, you know, a guy like Ben Simmons who just will actively will not shoot the ball. Like, DeMar DeRozan will shoot. He'll go up for his shot. But, you know, he's a guy... Even in 2020-2021, he played 61 games. He only averaged one three-point attempted uh, per game, you know. It, it, it's kind of like the difference between Giannis and, and Ben Simmons and only in their shooting because Giannis is, compared to the rest of the league, he's not a great shooter, but compared to Ben Simmons, he's he's Ray Allen. Um, so Look, I definitely understand it right, there. Right. I would understand someone more like, like a Damian Lillard type because that's a guy – you know, especially with Embiid, those are two guys who can really take over. Oh, and I Damian think Damian Lillard's the number one priority. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying about Demar Drozen, let's say Dame, uh, Dame doesn't pan out. If Damian Lillard does not come to Philadelphia, then you go for Demar Drozen. Believe me, I, I, I would trade the stars and the moon to get Damian Lillard, Lillard to come to Philadelphia. That would be absolutely incredible. That would be awesome. Is it going to happen? Hopefully we'll see. But what I'm saying is that now that Chauncey Billups is, uh, A, now the head coach of the Blazers, that could change things. Or you could see the Knicks possibly, you know, reach faster or reach first to get Lillard or maybe a different team compared to Philadelphia. Maybe. We'll see. My point with DeMar DeRozan, again, is that you have a shooter, but at the same time you have Seth Curry who can also shoot, shoot the three, right? So you have a scorer inside the arc. You put him with Joel. You still have Seth Curry, who pretty much dominated big time uh, in the playoffs from beyond the arc. I think if you bring either Dame, DeMar, whoever, and again, let's say for, for argument's sake, it is DeMar DeRozan, I think it creates more competition and it's, it's going to fuel Seth Curry even more to pan after and to continue uh, to, to build upon his three-point game. We know he's got a great game, not 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 just because Steph's his brother, but Seth Curry, the man himself, he can shoot as well. He can shoot pretty well. At the same time, you saw it this this postseason for the Sixers. I think if you put Demar in there, you you get the scorer. You work with Joel inside the arc. You you build up more for Seth Curry, and it creates more competition for Seth Curry outside. You know, beyond the arc when it comes to shooting for, for Philadelphia. Shooting has been a concern. Scoring has been a concern. You get both inside the arc and beyond the arc with DeMar DeRozan and Seth Curry. And, of course, you, you, you give a guy, the man, Joel Embiid, you give him a sidekick, you give him someone to actually work with. That's my reason again for that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I honestly think anything would be better than uh, Mr. Simmons, unfortunately. A trash can would be better than Ben Simmons. It's painful. Yeah, and it's and it's tough because, you know, like I said, he was an all-defensive first-team player this year. Yeah, he, he was. He, and, he, but... and he absolutely deserved it. There's no doubt in my mind. He is one of the better defenders. In the, he's a guard, and he's six foot eleven. He's going to be a great defender. They have other guys like... Uh, like Matisse Thibault is arguably, in my opinion, the best guard, the best defensive guard in, in the entire league. Um, I think Ben, I think Embiid even made uh, the second team for all Embiid, defense. 
And beat all together is also very solid defensively. Look, Ben Simmons is good defensively, but you need the scoring, and the scoring's the main the, the main concern. You can make up the defense with Embiid. You you can make up the the defense with Thibault. You 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 can make up the defense with some other pieces on this Sixers team. You need scoring, and Ben Simmons obviously can't score. He Abs- can't shoot. Absolutely. Um, I just saw a quote from Demarcus Cousins, and it literally said, "Bro, I don't even know how I'm here." And that's honestly how I felt after walking uh, to the studio in the sweltering heat. So with that, Long Island, Staten Island, I don't want to get Long Island. Long Island. Thank you. Thank not you. not a borough. I, not part of the city. He's not affiliated I, with I, New York I, City. I just, I just would, I would have rather, I would have rather asked before, before I just made a complete fool of myself. Which I, I think which I didn't. Staten Island was like the armpit of New York City, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like nobody, yeah. like wow. nothing's really there except for uh, Pete <laughs> Davidson, because Pete Davidson always says that on SNL, yeah, trashing yeah, right, Staten Island. Yeah, you know what. Pete Davidson, like Pete Davidson, big fan of all talking about his dad for some reason. Yeah, exactly. He, he always he says di- that when he like comes on like weekend update with Colin Jost, he always like does something like so that. So it's like, yeah, my dad died. Yeah, Love like, saying, he's like love stuck in his that. mom's basement or something during COVID for one of the COVID episodes they did. Like he was, literally made a movie, of, like it, King of Staten Island. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah I saw that. Just about him talking about his dad. Like that's his entire career. Yeah, and and dating Ariana. Him. And dating Ariana. Yeah. Oh but, uh, man, poor guy. Yeah. Um, with that, we are. Th- I just have to mention there are some times where he's on the show and you could tell that he's like, his mind is just miles away. From Absolutely, it's hilarious. Sometimes they'll go to him and he'll just be like, I don't even know where I am right now, which is which is great. I love the honesty. <laughs> yeah, but- it's awesome. It's funny. He he makes it real. Um, well, just happened earlier today. Um, Trey Tur- uh, Turner of the Nationals uh tied the MLB record with his third career cycle. Uh, he hit for the cycle today. Against the Rays, he uh, he's been playing very well recently. I mean, they beat the Mets on Monday. That was their three games now, two and a half games back behind the Mets for first, which is Jake, not. I have to ask good. you a very important question. Not good. And but I will I will start it off with uh, Alonzo just hit a two run home run. I was so. just I just saw that it just came up. Yeah. But I will say secondly, how does it feel that the best shortstop in the National League East is not on your team? How how does how do I'm not gonna lie, Lindor's not, definitely not the best. I mean, you're hitting 218, 215, and that's when you're uh, paying Trey Turner's him all this. a star. Trey Turner's they, a star. The National, Nationals could sneak in. They're they they are gonna play the Mets for that top spot. If not, they're the wild card. I mean, yeah, they're seven games back in the wild card, but Kyle Schwarber was unreal. He was on a home run hit like streak of like he, eight or nine games yeah, against so, the Mets he, when he so played. I them. just seen home runs in June. Yeah, he, he Schwarber's hit, amazing with them. But they it wasn't have very just 15 good team. in June. He hit 15 in the span of 17 years. That's what it was. Which hasn't yeah. been done since Barry Bonds. And whenever you're on any hitting list with only Barry Bonds, you did an incredibly exceptional thing. Yeah. Sure did. Yeah, and they're still playing right out of the Nats. 15 to 5, they're, be- they're beating uh, on the Rays. But it's, you know, he's he's been playing very well. Um, with them as well. Um, it's the MLB's first in nearly two years following the Blue Jays' uh, Kevin uh, Biggios on uh, September of 2019. It's the 11th time for the cycle in the Nationals Expos history, fifth in uh, Nationals um, right there. But he's the first player to hit for the cycle on his birthday. It was his 28th uh, birthday. He celebrated in style. And he's also joins Hall of Fame sluggers Chuck Klein and Joe Medwick to complete his cycle with his 100th hit of the season. So pretty good company for him. He's always been somebody that's been red hot um, in the MLB, red hot with the Nationals um, as well. Um, so it's it's definitely interesting 
Um, he's been very good, very efficient for them. Um, but I want to shift over to the Yankees, though. We always talk about oh, Shohei Otani. Do you want to talk about Otani? We, we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. <laughs> There's, There's no, a bet I saw. Yankees under five runs, minus 120 versus the Angels. Um, he had 2.35 ERA in juniors, allowing two or fewer runners runs in all four starts with at least eight strikeouts in three of them. Um, and he's, you know, he's doing it in style, too. I mean, he's, you know, he's unreal. And Showtime. do you think he's he probably could start the All Star game and bat too? I would think, he's right? Going to. Yeah, but I, but I also think it's it, it it we're at this point where it's very strange because it's like, oh, how is this guy not like the runaway AL MVP right now? And like, it kind of makes sense, but at the same time, like Vlad Jr. is still okay. He doesn't he doesn't lead the league in home runs, but other than that, he is in a position to win the triple crown right now. And, I mean, it's got to be difficult when you're, like, an American League MVP voter to be like, all right, who am I going to pick? The guy who had a historic hitting season or the guy who had a great hitting season and also had a 2-8 ERA? Um, you know, it's it's definitely a very difficult thing. We haven't seen a batting triple ground since Miguel Cabrera in 2007. Um, and it is, you know, it's gonna be it's going to be very interesting to see how that race goes. I mean, we still have guys... And there's other guys, too, uh, in the National League who are really doing a great job. Tatis, obviously, Ronald Acuna. But I think Otani is, you know, if Otani can play a full season, he's going to put up some numbers that we've never seen before just because he's going to have so many um, – he's going to have so much time as both a pitcher and a hitter. You know, it's going to be numbers we really haven't seen since since the Babe in the, in the 1910s. Uh, uh, really amazing to see. Big, big fan. Watch out. Watch out for the Red Sox, folks. I'll just say that because the Red Sox have been surprising a lot of people this year. They've swept the Yankees in both series so far at Yankee Stadium. Do we have a Do we Fenway. have a boo Do we have a boo hotkey? I need so, I need a boo. No cheer, cheer, yay, no, Sox. No, no. I tell you, the Red no, Sox. No, we do man. not cheer the Red Sox on this show. Absolutely. The Red not Sox are there. my second team. Ooh. I I love the Red Sox, Ooh. but. Boston is having a really incredible year. And really, with the Yankees having sort of a down year, it's wide open between Boston, Toronto, and Tampa. Baltimore's Baltimore. We all know about Baltimore. They're going nowhere. But it creates sort of new competition, and it makes the AL East a bit more exciting, especially this year where, you know, the Yankees were expected to do this and do that and do this and do that. It's been a bit disappointing. But the Red Sox, who were supposed to have this abysmal, horrible, horrendous, disgusting type of year, they're they're kicking butt. And they've been kicking butt all year long, and they swept the Yankees twice already this year. At the same time, you, you have Toronto with their big three, uh, Biggio, Bichette, uh, Vlad Jr. They're a solid young team as well. And Tampa Bay is also in the mix as well. They've been back and forth. They're getting smacked right now by Washington. But Tampa... You know, they're still competitive. They're still consistent. It's really incredible to see just in a span of a short period of time how the Yankees have, you know, gone from the super favorites. All of a sudden, they're diving down, and now you have this three-way, you know, horse race between uh, Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, and it's going to be really exciting to see, I think, who pans out. Yeah, Yeah. fire Aaron Boone. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, too. Um you know, we'll save Dylan from his misery about the Yankees facing Otani. We'll uh, talk about the Futures game as well. But 
Tomorrow, tomorrow is such a, a great day. Of course, you know, the, the NCAA athletes are going to get their NIL, their name, image, and likeness recognized and all that. But also, tomorrow is Bobby Bonilla Day. He's going to collect a $1.2 yes. million dollar check from the Mets. <laughs> great. 14 more years of this. Ends in 2035, <laughs> the last year. That's a great soundtrack. Amazing. 2035. How, how inept can you be as, like, can you imagine, okay, say you're working the most pointless job like you're an insurance salesman or whatever like oh gosh you know, that's you, oh so boring i'm just saying like oh, office man. job you know all of that like can you imagine unless you have like michael scott as your boss or something all right but... that's 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 different maybe yeah. you're, not, you're not working for a a, a medium-sized paper company in the regional northeast that's but, true um so you're working a normal job or whatever and you're you're like all right like i want to negotiate a new contract so <laughs> your boss comes up to you and says all right, you're gonna negotiate. We're gonna negotiate a contract with you, and then we're gonna keep paying you 20 years after you quit or get fired. Like that deal. doesn't that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense in any world in any universe. Paying someone, they have paid Bobby Vanilla to sit on the bench. Yeah, he didn't even do much for them when he was there too. But also, the Mets also said, aside from that, they have a big announcement tomorrow. It's not just about Bobby Benita. I think they're bringing the black jerseys alternates back tomorrow, and I'm not a fan of them. Don't care. Don't care. Don't, Don't like them. Care. They're horrific. Play well in the playoffs, and I'll have a nice thing to say about the Mats. That's all I have and to say. And have Bobby Benilla in those jerseys. How about yes. Oh, yeah. That's, he, he wore those jerseys <laughs> in the late 90s. They, need to, they, need to, they need to announce that with Bobby Benita. 1.19 million. Pay him million. more money. 1.19 million. That's what, they, that's what they're paying him tomorrow. One point one nine million every oh day, and every like July for the next fourteen years. He's done this since twenty eleven. This will be the tenth year of this. It's a twenty four year thing. So Bobby Bonilla retired in two thousand one. Let's and he's still getting. That's twenty years ago. That's incredible. He was a career two eighty hitter, two hundred eighty seven home runs, thousand RBIs. You know nothing. Two thousand hits. Nothing that really jumps off the page. You know, it's not like. It's not like he was A-Rod, and he hit 700 home runs, and it's like, we had to pay you this exorbitant amount of money, so right. we're still paying you. It's not bad, in but fact, yeah. In fact, Benia had two stints with the Mets, from 92 to 95, and then 99, he played there for like half a season. So they're still, they were still paying him when he was playing for other teams, which is ab absolutely hilarious. I love to hear that. But, yeah, I mean, maybe Steve Cohen will end this, but this is just one of the many, many examples we've had in the – the time we've seen baseball of the Mets just being incredibly incompetent, which yeah, is awesome. I'll agree with that. I absolutely love it. Like, I'm sorry, but it's it's one of the joys for me, especially this year, of watching. Like, honestly, the best part of this season for me has is that Lindor is not hitting 300. I, 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 that's super petty, and I know, but I, there, I really haven't had anything to be excited about. You know, Gary Gary will come back every two weeks, and then he'll hit 190 for a week, and then he won't be back. Gleyber Torres is just awful. I don't know why. Um, Garrett Cole is not as good as he once was. And I no. don't know if that has something to do with a certain ban of something, but we'll, we'll say it doesn't. Um, yeah, so a lot of MLB All Futures. You know, I'm sure, Dylan, you're going to be looking at uh, Jason Dominguez. Jason just, just got called up. Yeah, his professional number 24 debut. in the, you know, up there. But, uh, Giants shortstop Marco Luciano. I've heard a lot about um, him as well. Uh, Max Meyer for the Marlins. He's going to be on the mound. I've been hearing a lot of good things about him. Drew Waters for the Braves. Um, it's going to be it's going to be great. It's going to be good that they're 
being able to play back the and all. The two Mariners are in the outfield. They've got Kalenic and uh, Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, it's going to be a seven-inning game uh, on July 11th at Coors Field. Um, so they're going to be doing that. C.J. Abrams, the P- P- uh, Pirates shortstop, Royals shortstop, Bobby Witt. They they got a lot of a lot of talent. Yeah, I mean, uh, Spencer Torkelson is one of the guys I noticed, a, a former number one pick, Adley Rutschman, Vidal Brujan. You know, I saw some people commenting that this American League team could be a uh, a World Series team in like seven years, and I and I really wouldn't disagree. A lot of these guys mm-hmm. look like they're great prospects. You know, um, did you mention Brett Beatty from the, from the Mets? Yeah, Brett Beatty? yeah, yeah. He, he's Francisco be Alvarez. On there. Yeah. Quinn Priester is a is a really good pitcher. I'm surprised they don't have um, Edward Cabrera on here. Edward Cabrera has been a hot prospect. Maybe it's just because I play MLB the show and he's the best pitcher in the game. But you know he's been a hot prospect in Double A with the Marlins. I'm very excited to see him. C.J. Abrams, uh, a switch hitting shortstop could be great. Marshall Luciano. Uh, there's just there's a lot of talent on both these rosters, and I mean these are guys who I can really see being mainstays in baseball for the next you know, 10, 15 years, especially the American League side with the guy who I've seen two comparisons for him, and it's been Mike Trout and Mickey Mantle. So got a lot to live up to. And a little uh, 1940s, 50s quick history lesson there for you. As we come back here on the WRSU crew, it is the final segment of our show, Rapid Fire, where we go over the topics in sports that we didn't get around to during the show. Uh, our GM, Jake Schmid, is here with us. Alex Carminati on the Opal. Jake, I'm going to let you take this one. Well, you're going you're gonna to choose to take this one because you're the GM. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I got a couple topics. <laughs> we talk about a lot of the NBA coaching carousel and the uh, what's who's open as well. Uh, Penny Hardaway, ha- the Memphis uh, University of Memphis Benz basketball coach, has pulled his name out of the running for the Orlando Magic uh, head coaching gig as well. Um, he was obviously emerged as a serious candidate earlier in the week after three years um, at his alma mater. He's... Um, 63-32 record at Memphis has really made them a really good team in the American and, and the AAC um, as well. But um, they obviously uh, fired, got rid of Steve Clifford after they had a really bad injury season. They're 30 games below 500. Um, so he's out of their coaching search as well. But also um, back, you know, kind of in the coaching search, the Lakers are close to adding uh, David Fisdale to Frank Vogel's staff um, in the Lakers uh, Fisdale with a 71-134 record as a head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. And then with the Knicks, we know what he did in 2018 and 2020. He didn't really do so well with them. He's a .346 record as head coach um, for both of them. Um, not that good at all. But the only notable thing is that he was one of Spol- Eric Spolster's lead assistants for nearly a decade, including those two 2012-2013 wins uh, titles for the Heat. So get assistant coach hire there and Penny Hardaway backing out of the Magic deal right there. I think it's good for him. I mean, you know, uh, he, he did a good job in Memphis before, you know, all the James Wiseman nonsense. Um, and they've had a pretty good team. And I think, you know, adding a Hall of Famer to that uh, that coaching staff is only going to be good for them. They're going to recruit better. They're going to play better. Um, and, and I think we could see Memphis in a couple of years go back to, you know, the team that we saw when they had uh, when they had Derrick Rose, you know, a team that went far into the tournament and is a contender for national titles. I think they, that 
people are going to want to play for Penny Hardaway, and they're going to want to play for Larry Brown too. Absolutely. Absolutely, indeed. You know, Memphis sort of on the rise, like you were saying, Dylan. Altogether, again, with the Orlando situation, they've been rebuilding for years now, and that situation is still uncertain. So you're better off building a college program right now, building your your reputation for years to come to then play for, for to then coach then rather for a team that that's in a better situation, a more well-known situation compared to Orlando. They've been in the same trap for years and years and years, and they've for some reason they've never been able to you know fix that issue. So it's a good move for Hardaway to stay where he is, build up Memphis, build up that reputation for the school and for himself. He'll eventually get his his chance at his job in the NBA one day, but don't take it now. I agree with Dylan. Definitely, again, Orlando is still uncertain of where they are, what the situation is. They've been in the same pickle for several years. He'll, he'll pretty much dig himself in that same hole if he were, were to, to take that job right now. Yeah, I definitely see um, where it could go. It's definitely going to be something interesting um, to consider. I mean, you got a lot, a lot of moving parts in the NBA right now. Um, but, you know, we talked about soccer a bit early on, and Dylan will be happy about this, that Man U is finally sealing a $72 million euro transfer from uh, Dortmund for J- Jaden uh, Sancho. Uh, big deal right there. The big international day for yeah, big deal for the European community. Uh, international winger um, agreed to personal terms for a medical. He's expected to sign a five-year deal until 2026. Um, he's been directly involved in a legal once every 87.4 minutes, according to Squawka Football, which is a European um, football site right there. He has compiled, uh, since the start of the 2018-19 season, 37 goals, 41 assists in 68-19 minutes, 21 years old, our year, our age, which is crazy. Um, he's been, he's with uh, the English team at the Euro 2020 right now. He made a substitute appearance. Um, it was an unused sub in their win over Germany. Um, but he's he's got 50 goals and 137 appearances for the Bundesliga side and finished this past campaign with 13 goals in his final 21 matches up and coming Right there, a great get for Manu, bringing him back to uh, the English league. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know you and and our and our sports director Chris Taconis are the resident uh, footy fans in the uh, in the in the in the studio or in the department. But I I think it might be time to watch the Premier League again. I mean, you know, I do follow it. Manchester United. They did finish second this year. It was a very distant second though, and you know. They're a team of, of, of world reach. Their brand is one of the biggest brands of a club team in the entire world. You know, I, kind of on par with the Real Madrid's and Barcelona's of the world where, you know, everyone knows who they are. Sure. Um, and they should be competing. They should be playing better. And I think, you know, getting a guy like Jaden Sancho is, is huge for them. He's going to add a lot of attacking presence. You know, it's a very young team. Guys like Jesse Lingard, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho – other names that are really good that I can't think of because I don't watch a lot of soccer. Paul Pogba, but he's not that young. Yeah, he's a little bit older. Yeah, but I think this is, you know, a step in the right direction for Man United and and hopefully they can they can put it all together. Uh Ole Gunnar, we'll see how he does in in the next season, but yeah, very exciting time to be a, a Man United fan. Big day for Rutgers, not really, but big day for Man United. Uh we don't have that hot key though, so I had to kind of Wing it, I guess you could say. And Alex, I got a, I got a big story, not a big story, but interesting interview uh, I heard about today. Um, 
Valkyria Pack, Green Bay Packers receiver Devontae Adams responded to the recruiting comments by former college teammate Derek Carr, and he said it would be a dream to play with Derek Carr in the future. Um, Adams joked that the that the Raiders quarterback stirred up the league after saying earlier this week he would recruit Adams very hard. Um, does he become, should he become a free agent next year? Um, but he also left open the possibility of linking up with his former Fresno State teammate sometime in the future. He said um, it'd be a dream to play with him. We've got a great friendship, and we still communicate really consistently, he told Bree Mellon of ABC 30. Um, so it's going to be interesting right there. Um, he's entering the fourth, the last season of his four-year contract. He led the league with 18 receiving touchdowns last year. As a Packers fan, um, what do you make of these comments? Of course, we know that, you know, what's going on with Rodgers and how he's most likely not going to be back and how he didn't show up for OTAs and, and all the volunteer training activities. So uh, where do you stand on this? Well, I... Uh... It seems like we're having some difficulties. I just oh, disconnected, but now I'm back, I believe. Can you folks hear me? Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, you're on. The, the floor's all yours. It's the beauty of live radio, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Okay, I'm not surprised. Look, Aaron Rodgers, I've been saying this for a while. He's not playing this year. He's going to hold out. He's going to sit out. He'll walk in 2022. He'll play in Denver. That's my prediction on that. Devontae Adams, I find this interesting, but also not surprising. And it's, it's interesting because it's another piece on how Green Bay has failed Rodgers, how they've failed pretty much the fan base, this team, for 10 years now. But at the same time, number two, rather, excuse me, altogether you're seeing um, Devontae Adams also realize that maybe this isn't the right place. And also, if, it, if Aaron's going to leave, I think, it's, I think it's time for me to leave as well. Maybe either join Aaron or find my own independent roots to maybe prove myself somewhere else. I think altogether you're going to see Rodgers leave. You might see Devontae Adams leave. I would not be surprised if that happened as well. Do not be shocked with these uh, uh, um, uh, talks. Do not be shocked shocked with with these rumors. These are all possibilities. Really, they could be realities by 2022. I would definitely not be surprised. Expect something to happen regarding uh, Rodgers and Adams leaving by t- after this year. Expect that to happen. I expect Rodgers in Denver. Devontae Adams in, in Vegas would also be very interesting. So you know what? I'm not surprised, but I'm very interested to see where what, what this leads up to and how uh, Devontae Adams can sort of establish himself as a receiver with a different quarterback on his own without having Aaron Rodgers. We'll see how it plays out. It's surprising. It's interesting. Well, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, Dylan, I know you're not really a big uh, car guy, yeah. car fan right there. What do Alex, you make of those I, comments? I, I wouldn't be worried. I don't think he's going to want to go play with Derek Carr. Uh, I wouldn't want to go play with Derek Carr. He is not a guy who makes his receivers better. Aaron Rodgers no, is one true. of those guys who makes his receivers of course. better. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think very highly of, uh, of Derek Carr. I think that, um, I think that, I don't know, you know, he could end up somewhere else, but I don't think it's to the point where we can speculate right now because ultimately, you know, Green Bay's future is not really, they can't really decide their future yet, you know. They really kind of have to wait, like, for, until this Aaron Rodgers debacle is done. And, you know, I think I think we're both of the mindset that, that he's going to leave. But where does that put the rest of the roster? And I think that's something that they need to find out, and it's something that we're going to find out as well. But um, ultimately, 
I don't see him going to the Raiders just because I, I wouldn't want to be a receiver for Derek Carr. I'd rather go play in New York and be a Daniel Jones receiver than a Derek Carr receiver. No, that's fair. Again, whether it's Vegas, even Denver with Aaron Rodgers, I think if Aaron walked, which he will, I can see Devontae following suit. I would not be surprised. I just find it inter- interesting that, you know, w- you know, as Aaron's mulling this debate and really saying he's going to leave, I find it interesting how that spanned on over to De- to Devontae Adams, his his you know Aaron's top receiver and probably top teammate possibly. You know, so I find it interesting how it spanned on over. And you mentioned you know Green Bay's not quite sure where they're going. They've been pretty sure where they've going, been going for the past 10 years, rebuilding, retooling for 5, 10 years afterwards. And even when Aaron has put them in situation after situation to compete right now, right then and there, they've blown every opportunity and they've not helped Aaron out. Aaron, of course, is the scapegoat out of all of it. But when you look at uh, the situation Green Bay is in and not knowing what situation uh, they're in. They definitely know what situation they're in. They've been rebuilding for such a long time. The Jordan Love thing was the essence of that. And now that they try to you know rebuild, try to make Aaron a bit more happy, they try to pay him even more too, it's too little too late. If, you're commi- if you've been committing to rebuilding for 5, 10 years, for the past 10 years or so now, just stay on that track because that's going to happen starting this year, officially. You're officially going to be rebuilding when Aaron Rodgers does not play in 2021, when Jordan Love is a starting quarterback in 2021, and by 2022 when Aaron Rodgers leaves town. Yeah, and I can't wait, for, I can't wait for Green Bay to see the depths of rebuilding when they go 6-11. and 11. It's going to be fun. It's not even that it's bad. I feel like they're not even going to rebuild that. You want to rebuild? You watch the Giants play awful every single season. I feel like Green Bay is going to be fine. You know, I don't know. I, they definitely like It's definitely going to be different, but they've always been such a well-run organization. Have they ever really been like awful in your lifetime? I don't remember. Not, ever, in, they've, not they've in my been, lifetime. Like, awful. You know what I mean? Not in my lifetime. But for 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 nearly thirty years, ever since you know, like the seventies, the eighties, the beginning of the nineties, Green Bay was horrible. It it was a poorly run franchise. Well, I'm it saying, was very poorly. I'm run. saying now they have they have people put in place who like clearly to an extent know what they're doing. We could yes or no. You know, we could disagree about the way they draft. I don't agree with it either. But I I personally think that. I don't think that they're going to see the depths of a rebuild that like a team like a New York would see. Like I don't see them being the first pick in the draft anytime soon. No, not that, but they they've been wanting to rebuild and retool for 5 10 years, 5 10 years, 5 10 years. This season is actually going to make the mark where they continually do that without Aaron Rodgers and they don't waste his time. Yeah, definitely um Green Bay is just interesting. They're just they're just it always is. interesting. It's also heartbreaking. I'm 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 sure. I'm 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 sure you've played a sad song and thought about it once or twice. I have too when when my st- you know, I was I was I was disappointed to see Odell leave. Uh and I was I was sad about that, but we got like three minutes left. Jake, you got Yeah, I got a story? I got a Ooh. this is a really good story right here. Not really a story per se, but a post I just saw on ESPN. They're saying that with every NCAA athlete in the country able to make money from endorsements, they brought up uh, NCAA football 20, uh, 22. They're bringing back that franchise. They're saying who should grace the cover if that game comes back and who do you think will be able to also for any like basketball they may bring back too? Well, usually, Ooh. and I don't know if this is the case, but I remember Tebow being on NCAA 11. 
and RG3 on 12 or 13, usually it's the guy who wins the Heisman is on the cover right. the year after. That's what I think should happen, you know. Unless, like, I don't know. I feel bad for guys like, like Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Devonta Smith, guys who had, like, incredible college football seasons. Joe Burrow had the best passing season in the history of college football, and unfortunately he couldn't be on the cover due to, you know, the way – due to amateurism or whatever, that dumb thing that the NCAA likes to say. Uh, but ultimately, I think it should be the guy who wins the Heisman, and if it's not the guy who wins the Heisman, it should be Noah Vedral. Oh, please. Noah Vedral <laughs> and Art Sikowski share the cover. Give it to Devontae Smith. Definitely deserves it. Heisman, Heisman winner for a reason. Had the greatest season possibly for, for a receiver. Maybe he did, maybe not. That That's debatable. Had the greatest college football game, co- college football national championship playoff game for a receiver. That's for sure. Especially in the first half when, when you put up 215 yards and three touchdowns and one half alone. Devontae Smith definitely has to get it. If And look, it is, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be interesting. Devontae Smith has to be the slam dunk choice. But this is just the beauty of free will again. And how this ruling today, where tomorrow the new pave way, the new era of college sports begins, where athletes can finally profit off their own name. It all begins tomorrow. It's going to be awesome to see. And you know what? For a guy like Devontae Smith, who just won the Heisman, who just won the national championship, give it to him. The man's been working his butt off for a long time at, at Alabama, one of the greatest receivers in that program's history, one of the greatest college football receivers ever, I think. The man deserves a lot. He should have he profited for a long time in the NCAA. These rules, of course, screwed him and several other athletes. But now it's time to get that money. Now it's time to enjoy the free will. And Devontae Smith should be on that cover with the beauty of this new rule that college athletes can profit off their own name. Devontae Smith might not be a college athlete anymore, but he should be able to profit off of this for his great success during college. And with that, talking about one of my favorite game series ever, which is a great note to end on. That is going to do it for the Wednesday edition of The Crew from Alex Carmenati, Jake Shapin, and myself, Dylan McCoy. We appreciate all of you listening. Don't go anywhere as after we go off the air, it will be Machine Age Voodoo with Lisa Uber here. You have been listening to The Crew on 88.7 WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. Hey, give me a beat.